God be praised. God be praised. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Before the pandemic, we used to say high five your neighbors. Well, why don't you just wave at your neighbor and say Happy Resurrection Sunday. This is truly a day that the Lord has made. I know so many people here are grateful to just to be here. After what God has brought us through. I had to take that mask off. Thanks for reminding me. Um, it's by grace that we're sitting here. Only by grace. I'm sure everyone's been touched in the last year where they know somebody that was here last year is not here now. So we give God praise. Amen. To Pastor Venice, who's my dear friend, my brother, my pastor. We've been through a lot together. My sister, Deborah, who lives in Detroit, because Pastor Venice and I are not good with dates. And I received a card in the mail last week. And the card was wishing me a happy anniversary in the preaching ministry. And she's a historian, and it's been 36 years. You're getting old, man. <laughs> that we have been in this ministry together. We are standing on the shoulders of a lot of people when I look at this church. Uh, I thank God for these ministers and um, my cousin brother, Minister Todd, Kevin Ingram. Um, he's, he's been a great gift to me. God arranged that and I'm thankful. And to Minister Kenny Graham, uh, you said that sounded high. It sounded good to me, but I'm glad you did a rewind. So. Um, we are thankful, like I said, we're standing on the shoulders of so many people that we shouldn't take for granted. Um, one is here now, I know she's not gonna like me saying this, but Dr. Wanda Teller-Smith is here. Amen. Uh, former First Lady of New Mission, and some of the stuff that happens in this church right now is because of her work Amen. in the ministry, amen? Amen. All right, all right, now that we got all that out the way, we gonna, we know we have streamlined services where we've taken them down, and I don't want to be long this morning, but um, we're, we're, <clears throat> we're just uh, thankful for this opportunity. Uh, if you will, turn with me to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, and we're going to read the first 20 verses. I know that's long. I'll try to get through this quick. 
John chapter 20. Thank you, uh, media team, making it easier on me. The ushers have done a great job. Let's give God some praise for them. I think it's, you know, the way that they have, uh, Pastor Menace and his team has assembled to make sure that you're safe. I think it's excellent work. Uh, I've been in other places where they don't take the steps and the details. Everything has been thought out, so we give God praise for that. Uh, I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the English Bible. Uh, Verse 1 says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw that the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away and again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be the gardener. Said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Mary went into beast mode. She's going to take Jesus by herself. Jesus said to her, Mary, She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go tell my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Uh Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples, 
that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, being one of the first days of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, mm -hmm. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I like to use for a subject this morning a thought, the linen that couldn't lie. The linen that couldn't lie. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you for this time together. Father, we, we're just grateful just to be in your house this morning. We're grateful, and then it's on your Resurrection Sunday. Father, reduce Myron and increase. Father, I pray that you show me, have me have the ability to show just part of the picture of what you showed me in this text. Father, we ask you to bless your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. This resurrection morning, this right here, as Minister Kevin has already said, if you can't get excited about the Lord any other time of the year, we need to do a spiritual recheck. Because this day is the crescendo of Christianity. This day, if it didn't go down, if Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead, you can cancel Christianity. So you ought to be excited. It's the crescendo. It's the loudest part. The cross was loud, and it all goes together, and the Bible is one book. But this event right here is where everything comes out the bottom of the funnel. So let's look at the text. It says that we can see that the time is early, so to speak. This was, this was the first official sunrise service that took place early in the morning 2,000 years ago when they showed up at the tomb. It was the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And it's not only early in the morning, but it's dark. It's the dawning of the day, and I, and, I, and I applaud you for coming out this morning because it's kind of the same setting. When you yeah. came, you had to get up early this morning. And I know it wasn't easy, and it was dark. And some of us uh, uh, has been on this road to know that being early in the morning, there's something about early in the morning especially when you spend time with the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you can't do your devotions later on in the day, but, but it's just something about early in the morning. It says, do, do I have a witness in the house? It's something about spending time with the Lord early in the morning. There's something about spending our devotional time with God early in the morning. See, 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 God, he don't deserve, and he don't want our leftovers. Yes, sir. 
He don't, he, he don't deserve our leftovers. Sometimes we wait till the end of the day, you're tired, and you haven't spent no time with the Lord. But thank God, it, it, I, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. So can we get a clear picture? Mary, to let us get a clear picture, Mary has a major question that's producing a lot of anxiety for her. In Mark 16 and 3, uh, it says, and they said among themselves, who will roll the stone from the door, from the tomb for us? Right. See, when we were in Israel, I thank God for that trip. Uh, Pastor Venice and I and, and, and uh, uh, Pastor Dennis, we had the opportunity to look at possibly the tomb that Jesus was buried in. And it was like a garden. It was a garden tomb. It was kind of like, and over this garden tomb, what happened, they had like this, this, this stone was kind of on a track like a sliding glass door. And it was like a disc, this, this, this stone was, and it, and it was like on a track. And this, this stone is heavy and it's, it's solid. And, and, and what happens with this stone during this time while Jesus was put in his tomb they put the Roman seal around the tomb. It was like, you know, it was an area where you better not, if they put their seal on it, it's just like if you walked in some place and said, do not enter. And if you would go in and try to go in where this stone was, and not only that, what amazes me about this text, they said they had Roman soldiers there, and I'm going to get to that later. But they said that these Roman soldiers for these days, because they didn't want Jesus, they wanted to show Jesus was a sham. So they assigned Roman soldiers. And I was told that they, that they assigned as many as 16 uh, soldiers and ships around the clock. I'm going to come back to that. But, but they, they were protecting the tomb because they wanted to show that Jesus was a scam. So they had to, uh, uh, we saw this, 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 this tomb and they had, and they had come uh, to anoint, Mary had come to anoint the body of Jesus for a permanent burial. Mm -hmm. But they had to do it hastily because this is Good Friday and, and because you had to have the body off the cross before the Passover began. And so they're coming now with alloys and different fragrances to bury his body and to do it permanently, to do it decently. So their concern is that it's dark. They can't see. It's hard to see, y'all. And it's early, and they're wondering who's going to roll the stone away. So when they get there, the stone was already rolled away. One of the questions we often ask, we always worry about who, what God's going to do in our life. We always, we, some of us are into 2022 wondering what's going to happen with our lives. But what's going on is that God has already rolled the stone away in many situations. See, it's the statement, worry is the interest we pay on trouble before it, before it falls due. And many times what we worry about, it don't even happen. It don't even fall due. So Mary was worried about something that was already taken care of. Who's going to roll back the stone? But the stone was already rolled away. But by the time we have to deal with our troubles, God is already taking care of it. Yeah. 
So they get there and the stone is already rolled away. Back to the text, verse 2. I'm going to run through this text. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. Now this other disciple is John. John was a very humble disciple. So the other disciple is John, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Verse 3 says, Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, which is John, and they were going to the tomb. They were thinking this was a graveyard robbery. That's what they had in their mind because Jesus' body was not there. That was the first thoughts they had. So they had a foot race, and John gets there before Peter. You know, John is younger, so he should get there first. Peter is older. I don't think my chances would be too good if I raced uh, Myron 2.0 or Adrian. I, I didn't got older now. I can't keep up with them. So it sure is fitting that, 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 that John got there before Peter. So in the church, when I look at this picture, but what I love about my ministry and, and, and when I look at the church is that in my ministry with men, I got young guys in their 20s. I got guys all the way up to 70, and they all from across the city, and I'm just thankful when I see that, that, that in the church, young and old should always be working, to get, uh, working together. So John, back to the text, gets there before Peter, and as we continue to observe the text, I want you to notice something in verse 5, 6, and 8. Notice there are three words that stand out in this text. It's either the word see or saw. In all three of those verses. The word see or saw. Pray with me this morning. Um, So John gets there first and he sees the grave clothes of Jesus. Look at verse 5. It says, and he, that's John, Stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there. Yes, sir. Yet he did not go in. Hmm. He sees the linen cloth that Jesus would have been wrapped in. He looked at it, but he didn't go in. He looked at it from the outside, looking in. And when in the Greek... In this verse 5, the Greek word for see is blepi, uh-huh. which means that it's a casual look. Yeah. Somebody going to catch that. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, he just looked at it. It's a glance. Yeah. Blepi, he blepied it. And there's, there, there was no specific investigation what it means. It was just an overview. He just yeah. looked at it. Some of us like that, and I'm going to get to that. There are some blepi people in the church. Uh, uh, they just look at things casually. They see what's going on, but, they, but nothing really takes root inside. Yeah. Pray, let's go to verse 6. Peter goes in. The text says, Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there. But there's a different Greek word for uh, see in this one, what he saw. It's theori, which we get the word theory. It's where we get the English word theory. Peter saw more than what John saw. John saw from the outside looking in, but Peter sees it from the inside looking in. 
Peter is closer. Peter is more, he has a more intimate view. See, when you're walking with Jesus, you got to get close to him. You just can't stand back and just take a casual look at Jesus. But Peter took a more uh, 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 intimate view. He got inside the cave. So the Greek word here is sterilized. So Peter is looking at his clothes and he's thinking, why would a person steal a body and take the time with the cloths and wouldn't take, and take the clothes off the person? Why would they just steal a whole body with the clothes on it? It would be quicker for them just to snatch the body if they had stole it. But they walk in and they see the grave cloths, the linen, the linen strips there. They see the handkerchief folded up. Peter is theorizing. He's thinking. He's saying, this doesn't make sense. And it shouldn't make sense to you. If somebody break into your house and steal your flat screen TV, they ain't going to make up your bed. They ain't going to mop your floor. They ain't going to wash your dishes. They ain't going to fold up your clothes out the dryer. What they're going to do, they're going to take what they got to get, and they're going to get out. I got to come back. I got to come back and hit this. Uh, put your finger there at verse 7, but let me skip to verse 8. The text says in verse 8 that the other disciple, John, who came to the tomb, went in also. Then he saw and believed. So first he's on the outside. Come on, come on. Sees Peter in there investigating. And he said, let me go in and take a closer look. When he took it, when you take a closer look, he says he saw and he believed. So when he got closer, when John went from the outside of the tomb to the inside of the tomb, when he saw he got on the inside of the tomb, he looks and he sees. In verse 5, he had a casual observation, which he blepied. In verse 8, the Greek word is iodine. That means, to, that means to observe with a sense of understanding. See, he sees, he understands, and he believes. Let's give God some praise. So, 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 so now that he's on the inside, Pastor Venice, he sees the napkin that was on Jesus' face folded up and laid to the side. He sees the grave linen strips that were wrapped around Jesus' body from his feet to his head. Yeah. Jesus, I mean, they took these strips, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And these strips were not on the floor, but they were still lying there as if the body was still inside the strips. Let, let, let me go back so y'all can catch that. In John 19, I think around verse 38, you will see that, that Joseph, Amathea, and Nicodemus, they go get Jesus' body. And when you look at that text in the chapter before, you will see that they wrapped him in these linen strips. From the head to the feet. And not only that, depending on what version you read, they said they had up to 75 to 100 pounds of alloy yes, and myrrh. Yes, so as they were wrapping, putting these strips on Jesus' dead body, over time, what happened it almost became like a cast. 
the, 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 the alloys and the, and the myrrh hardened around the linen. So, uh, do you get the picture of what you're seeing here? Yeah, it's like a mummy. Yeah, so, 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 but, but our Jesus is so bad. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, Pastor Benison. Trying not to. But, 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 but can you see this picture of this cave? This, 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 this gray tomb. He, he, they, they walk in and they're going, what the heck? They see a body. Uh, uh, they see the body of the, of the strips, but the body of Jesus was not in it. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. And they see the hair cloth folded up. Now, wait a minute. The only way that they really could have got those strips off of them was to cut them. You're right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They would have to cut the strips, but the body... It's gone, but the strips are laying around like it's a body. What a bad God we serve. Because the reason why Jesus had to do it that way was because if it was any other way, it was the, the Romans would have came and said, uh-huh. Yeah, see, somebody stole it. But when they walked in and saw that. But, you know, getting back to my point about, about, about uh, the black eye. The one C was a, is a casual look, and, and, the, and the theoride, which is the, you got theory, that's what Peter had, and the iodine, which is, a, which is, a, which is what he saw and believed. Yes. Unfortunately, Pastor Venice, I hate to say this, but these are the kind of people that we have in church. We have some black-eyed Christian people in the church. They just come and they casually observe like, like, like John did. They stay on the outside looking in, but they're ready to talk about everything that's going on the, on the inside, and they're standing on the outside. Even their relationship with Christ is a blep-eyed relationship. Oh, you know, you know what I'm saying. You just say some grace before you bless your food. You don't have, you're not getting close. You don't have an intimate relationship with God. Even their relationship with Christ is a casual observation. They are curiosity seekers. They, you know, and curiosity seekers, they like to hear the gossip. And they like to talk the gossip. My mother used to say, son, a dog that will bring a bone will carry a bone. You better watch who you gossiping with. The second type is Peter. They are theory. They have theater, uh, theory. They don't have full knowledge. They think they do. Peter didn't have full. They keep coming. You keep coming Sunday after Sunday, and you think that you got full knowledge. They have their opinions and theories. They think they know what they're talking about, but they don't have full knowledge. Pastor Venice, they think they can do your job. They think that all you do is come in here on Sunday morning and preach, and you just laid up all week long. That they're theorizing that they think they know your job. They think they can, uh, somebody told me to, uh, that about when I was preparing for a message, somebody told me, said, well, when you're preparing for this message, but he said, it should be easy, shouldn't it? Yes, sir. I said, what did you say? They said, your message, you know, it's just an Easter message. It should be easy. Yeah, they bluff eyed. That's right, brother. They have no clue that every time when God calls you to teach or preach, 
And Dr. Smith taught me that every time you go to preach or teach, it's all the way back to the beginning of the drawing board. You can't rest on yesterday's sermon. You know, even though he builds things, but every time. Let, let me keep moving. You see, it's easy for them to look at, but they don't have full knowledge. They think that they, they know what it takes to be a pastor. They think they know what it takes to be a teacher. They know they think they know what it takes to be a preacher. They think all you do is get up on Sunday, on your uh, Sunday morning with your Bible, Pastor Bettis. That is theorist. That's a theorist. Yeah. And then there's, thank God for this these people, is the verse 8, the iodine, and who they come after a while, they, 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 they say, look, they look. And they've been listening to the word you preach Sunday after Sunday. And they come to the conclusion, and this is where we all should be at, after seeing and observing that I'm going to believe this gospel. Yes, sir. After seeing and observing, when they think about how good God has been to them, yes, I'm going to surrender to this gospel. Yes, that if they see how God has kept them and how he has provided for them, and they see the evidence, and they know they should have been dead, sleeping in their grave. They come to the iodine where they say, I'm going to follow God no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs. They come to the conclusion, I'm going to surrender every area of my life that I have not surrendered to God before. See, in these verses, see a saw is used in each one of these three situations. But, but now John takes a second look. And now he believes. Does anyone in the house believe that Jesus was raised from the dead this morning? Does anyone in the house believe it takes faith to believe? Does anyone know that, that even though faith, sometimes faith don't make sense, sometimes God can operate in your life where it seems like what you want me to do is crazy, but because you believe in him and he's told you to do it, you walk this thing out by faith. Now, in verse 6 and 7, when Peter went into the tomb, mm. let's look closely at what he saw. Yes, sir. He saw the linen cloths lying there in verse 6. Yes, sir. He saw the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths. But the handkerchief was folded in a place by itself. He saw the gray cloths. He saw the cloths in a certain order. He saw that the body was still in body form. The grave garments were arranged in a unique way. The word lying there, when you see it in the text, it does not refer to the fact that, that, that the cloths were on the floor. It does not refer to the fact that the linen cloths were just torn apart. But rather, the word used means they were lying precisely as Jesus' body had lain in them. When they say linen cloths, I need to, I need to, I need to paint this picture, y'all. I'm trying my best to paint this picture the way God showed it to me. They were wrapped their body, and we went through that with a long, wide linen cloth, somewhat like a cloth bandage that would be applied to an injured leg or arm. When they wrapped Jesus, they wrapped him from his feet all the way up to his head. The linen cloth was like a giant bondage. These wrappings were around the body of our Lord, beginning at the feet all the way to the head. Later in this chapter, Nicodemus, I already went over this, but Nicodemus and um, 
John uh, Amatheus used about 100 pounds of myrrh and spices around the body of Jesus so the cloth, uh, the cloth strips were around and around. They say they poured about 100 pounds of these spices around the wrappings of all Jesus' body. And what happened was these liquid spices settled and they solidified around the body shape. These liquids soon hardened, which was uh, the wrapping that would become like a hardened cocoon. It's like a tight covering, a tight solid covering. What John and Peter saw was the grave clothes were exactly in the position of the body that Jesus had laid in them. Great God from Zion. The grave clothes were in the exact same position, but they just didn't have Jesus' body in it. They saw the linen cloths lying there, uncut. They saw the linen cloths lying there, undisturbed. Lying there like there had been a body with the form of the contour of Jesus' body, but the body was not in the, in the grave clothes. The clothes were empty. His body had been miraculously, supernaturally moved by God the Father. See, Jesus' birth was a miracle because he's got a, he, it shouldn't surprise you, because when he was born, he was born of a virgin. And when he leaves, he, this was another miracle when he died. When he died, he came up out of the, the linen cloth and it looks like his body was still there. What a mighty God we serve. The cocoon was empty. Our Savior our deliverer, yes. our Lord had resurrection. He had risen from the dead. Give God some praise for God raising from the dead. I got to wrap this thing up. I got to wrap this thing up. So the disciples, after this, Peter and John goes back to their homes. And imagine their minds probably were still blown by what they had seen and experienced inside the tomb. But Mary Magdalene stayed back, and outside the tomb, she was crying and weeping, not knowing what happened to Jesus' body. So she stoops down in verses 11 and 12 and looks inside the tomb. And when she looks down, she sees something different than Peter and John. She sees two angels in white inside, sitting inside the tomb. One sitting at the head, and the other sitting at his feet where Jesus' body had laid. Allow, allow, allow me to camp out here, here just for a minute. I, I got to talk about these angels. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My brothers and sisters, whenever angels appear in the body, appear in the Bible, men are terrified. Yes, sir. Angels are some bad boys. When angels show up, men just pass out and run. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. Just take a look at the two angels that came to destroy the two cities of Solomon and Gomorrah. He only took one angel for each city to destroy it. God made angels to be incredible creatures. In Matthew's account, in chapter 27, it says that there were soldiers guarding Jesus' tomb with the Roman seal on the tomb. Remember I was yeah. talking about that earlier? Yeah. These Roman soldiers, some historians say they were assigned to 16-man battalions. Each soldier, they said, was only assigned to about uh, six square feet. Thank you. 
that's about two and a half feet this way, two and a half. So they were standing there, 16 of them at a time. And these soldiers were like, these soldiers were like the Green Beret of their time. These, I'm trying to paint this picture, these soldiers specialized, we've been to Israel in defending small plots of land. They were exceedingly good at hand-to-hand combat. These soldiers, these Roman soldiers were. They were the perfect group for guarding Jesus' tomb. But when they saw the angels appear, my, 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 my. When they saw God's angels appear, they fleed. They got in the wind. They said, we, got, we ain't never seen nothing like this before. They know they was going. And see, they, they, they had to scare them. They had to scare them. Let, let me share this. Because, because these Roman soldiers, they were not allowed to lean against nothing while they were on patrol. They were not allowed to sleep because they was in fear of the Roman government. And if one of them was caught, Sleeping or leaning or not in position, not only would they kill him, they'd kill the whole platoon. Yes, sir. You see the picture that I'm yes, trying to paint here? Yes, sir. And God's angels, two of them show up, and they all got up out of there. Yes. Now, you might be asking yourself, why, why all this fuss on this resurrection morning over guarding Jesus' body? I don't have time to get deep into that, but the short answer is, his enemies hated him. His enemies wanted him dead. His enemies, enemies wanted to prove that he was nothing more than a fraud. And the best way for them to prove that was to produce his dead body, not on the third day, but the fourth day. Because Jesus said, in three days I'll raise this temple up. So they said, if we can keep this boy under wraps, we're going to kill Christianity. We're going to tell you Christians, let's see, see y'all miserable little Messiah who said he was going to raise himself up, but, but thanks be to God. So, so, so if they could do that, Christianity would be over. We wouldn't be sitting here this resurrection morning. You might be, so, but thanks be to God by raising Jesus from the dead. He did rise. Thank God he rose. And he rose from the dead. After he rose from the dead, not only did were they not able to kill Christianity, but Christianity started spreading like wildfire. Yes, so back to the text so I can wrap this up. So Mary Magdalene stoops down and looks in the tomb and sees two angels. Now remember now, it's dark and it's early. It's hard to see. But Joseph Aramaeus, you can... Uh, <laughs> you know, gave him his tomb. And this was a new tomb. And we saw these tombs. You can put four people in these tombs. But Jesus was the only one. No one had never been in this tomb before. So she looks and she sees an angel sitting at the head of the slab and at the other at the feet. Now let me real quickly revisit. I got to revisit about angels in Jesus' case. They were, the angels are throughout the body, throughout the Bible. They were regularly involved in the life of Jesus. Yes, sir. So what do you mean by that, preacher? Angels were present when he was born. Yeah. While, he was at, while the shepherds were keeping their watch over the flock at night, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone upon them. And they were so afraid, and the angel of the Lord said, Fear not, behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy shall be unto you all people. 
there were angels praising God, saying glory to God in the highest at his birth. There were angels at Jesus' temptation. When he hadn't eaten anything for 40 days in Mark 1 and 13, says the angels were ministering to him. In Luke 22, 39, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he sweated great drops of blood, where he said, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, your will be done, not my will. There was an angel that came that ministered to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In our text, there's angels at his tomb. There were angels and there were angels at his ascension in Acts 1. There will be angels when he comes back again for us in Matthew 16. There will always be angels. But I got a question for you, church. I said out to say this. Why was there no angels at Jesus' crucifixion? He said in the text when they were beating him, when they were flogging him. He said in the text... During the crucifixion, he said, I can count, I could call down six legion of yes. angels. That's 72,000 angels. Yes, now, I just told you, we only took one angel. One angel would have handled this. Yeah. But he said, if I wanted to, but they were in all the angels were in all these situations in Jesus' life, but they were not at the crucifixion. There were angels at his birth, angels at his temptation, angels at the garden of Gethsemane, angels at his tomb, angels at his ascension, angels will become um, when he comes back again. Angel means messenger. Yes, sir. He came to let people know that, his, that he was the son of God. Well, why not angels at the crucifixion? The reason why there were no angels is because Jesus had to die without divine assistance. Yes, sir. He chose to die for you and for me because of our sins without divine help. When he was on the cross, see the picture. They're spitting on him. They were beating on him. The point is he died being the sin bearer. He died for you and he died for me. He died for our past sins. He died for our present sins. He died for our future sins. He died without divine assistance. He died without divine help. He died all by himself. He died without no angels at the crucifixion. He cries out, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken by God. He had to be forsaken by God. He was not assisted by God. That sounds kind of strange to say in my spirit, but it's, it, it, it's, it's what it had to happen. He was not assisted by God at all, his own son. God had to abandon him. Because Jesus was dying in our place. God had to treat him like he was the guilty one. God had to treat him like he committed the crime. 
God had to treat him like he was the one that lied. God had to treat him like he had a drug addiction. God had to treat him like he was an alcoholic. God had to treat him. Because he was dying in our place. God had to treat him like he was the guilty one. We were guilty. But he forgave us. We got forgiven. We were guilty. But he took the penalty. We were guilty. But he took our place. It's an incredible act of love. A love that I don't deserve. A love that just blows my mind. It's a love that I could never pay back. It's a love. It's a love. It's a love. It's a love. Now that's love. It's a love. It's a love that loved me first. It's a love that even when I mess up, he still loves me. It's a love that makes me want to do right when I'm doing wrong. It's a love that makes me want to worship him. It's a love that makes me want to praise him for the rest of my life. It's a love that I just blows my mind when I think about how good he's been to me. It's a love when I think about how he died for me. It's a love. Give God some praise. It's the linen. It's the linen that couldn't lie. You can take that two kind of ways. The linen wouldn't lie down flat, or the linen couldn't lie to speak to Jesus' resurrection. God be praised on this resurrection morning. Glory be to God. Give God some praise for the word. Hallelujah. The truth of the matter.